Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Commentarians. I'm your host for this month, Joe. And I'm Joshua Sherman. And we're here to talk over your movies. Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome to The Commentarians. Is this Prairie Home Companion? Husband Bulge is now a part of my permanent vocabulary. <laughs> I saw a squirrel. I am going to point out real quick, this to me is like the most disturbing scene in the entire movie. Stop listening right now and go watch Firefly. Hey, this is my podcast. I'm sorry, sorry, Joe. <laughs> we are saying that not only have we been wounded, we survive, and there's a God who heals of these wounds. Jesus isn't about the isms. Uh, he's about his kingdom. Because it is kind of like this idea that Jesus died for all of our sins, except when you had sex. And Jesus doesn't cover that. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for uh, joining us at the movies. Uh, we're going to be watching Saved from 2004, and I'm here with Joshua Sherman. How you doing, Joshua? I'm doing all right. So I'm glad to be here and just been, you know, I think we're all maybe a little bit disappointed with the Super Bowl, but uh, here we are <laughs> still. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and still waiting around for vaccines to, to be uh, distributed more and and people to figure things out. And, you know, it's just an interesting time to be alive. But yes. uh, <laughs> I mean, seriously, I used to do this podcast at the theater with my co with my uh, guests every week. I'd invite them over and we'd watch the movie. And now we have to do this over Skype. Can you believe that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, people but, would you know, fly time, in to go to come to the movies with me and uh, <laughs> and here here we are. It's, Over it's Skype. definitely a little different, but <laughs> but you know it's it's given us you know I, I think new opportunities too. You know, I yeah. mean the, the the fact that we've been seeing this kind of unprecedented isolation um, is one of the things that I, I think really kind of drove me to to you know feeling like you know man I feel like God is calling me to to try to speak out more. Um, and, um, that, you know, really pushed me to, to launch a podcast, which just happened this last week. So, um, that's, that's been pretty neat just to, to kind of get started and, you know, you start small and just kind of grow it as much as you can. Yeah. Let's uh, talk about that. Uh, you released a new podcast, uh, Tending Our Nets, is it called? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's called Tending Our Nets. It's, it's about the gospel and just looking at, at different aspects of the gospel that maybe, um, sometimes we, we either ignore or gloss over or don't even see uh, when we talk about the gospel in church. And, and what we have in our mind is, the, is that really kind of condensed version you might share with somebody on the street. You know, it's like, it's a good version of things. It's helpful for those conversations, but it's not really the gospel and kind of all its fullness and beauty. So mm. I'm just trying to talk through different things that, that we may miss. Um, and um, I, I feel like that can help us to better connect with people that, you know, maybe resonate more with a particular facet or, or a particular kind of picture of the gospel um, in a way that can then bring them into more of a full conversation about about Jesus. And um, yeah, so that's that's what I'm doing. And it's it's part of Raven Creek. So I'm, I'm really excited to be kind of a part of the family and um, trying to put stuff out there. Yeah, it's uh, it sounds really great so far. So uh, the stuff that you've put out, the stuff that you sent us, uh, it's yeah. really solid. And just the ideas that you've tossed our way stuff that you want to talk about it's really going to be an interesting and fascinating uh listen especially because it's short you know it's yeah. not going to be like this like hour-long academic discussion it's just going to be like the I, short I bite-sized bits of information i i couldn't do the, the faith and other oddities <laughs> like like nathan and emily yeah. do every week that's an amazing undertaking yeah um 
And, you know, but yeah, it's just, you know, trying to keep it to that five to seven minutes where you can have something that catches your attention, digest it a bit, be thinking about it throughout the week. Uh, and then, you know, if, if I'm, you know, covering things where I'm pulling material from different places where you can really kind of do more digging on it, I'm, I'm going to try to make sure I have those notes available. So if there are podcasts or books or movies or whatever that you, you can dive into to, to dig into something more. I want to make sure people can do that, um, both because <laughs> then I don't have to be the expert because I don't want to pretend to be. Um, <laughs> but also, um, you know, the, people can really dive into that in more detail, depending on on what really catches their attention mm-hmm. uh, without necessarily having to listen to to me talk for an hour every week, which um, I don't know if I would want to do. So <laughs> <laughs> I talk to myself enough. But <laughs> yeah, that's uh yeah, if anybody heard the uh, the coming attractions for this month, it was kind of a mess. Me just trying to talk by myself about this movie, and I was just a stuttering, mumbling mess. It's just no good. <laughs> well, to be fair, I mean, this was kind of a last minute thing too that you sure. you had something planned that fell through. So then it was like, oh shoot, I gotta gotta get coming attractions out there, and I'm late. And what do I do? It's <laughs> a totally, totally get it. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about the movie that we're going to be doing. I didn't, like I said, I, I just stum- stammered through my coming attractions, but I wanted to talk a little bit more about the movie that we're doing. We're doing Saved from 2004, uh, directed by Brian Donnelly. And he, he and his co-writer, Michael Urban, they actually wrote this based on their experiences going to a Baptist high school. So there's some, you know, personal, you know, story in, th- in this. And uh, it's basically, it's a story of a, of a girl who goes to a high school, a Christian high school, who uh, finds out she has everything she wants, basically. She's got a cute boyfriend. She's got her friends. She's got, you know, everything. Go- she's saved. You know, she's, you know, happy in, in God's light. And then she, her boyfriend comes out of the closet and tells her that, you know, confesses to her that he's gay. And she, through weird circumstances uh decides that she's going to have sex with him to try to fix him and she ends up getting pregnant and so the boyfriend ends up getting found out so he gets sent to a bible camp for to help people uh, of different issues and then she has to keep her pregnancy a secret uh, in this Christian high school and uh you know we'll talk more about all the other stuff but that's basically the uh the summary of the movie, if you haven't seen it, uh, and if you can't, if you're not going to be watching it with us, which, you know, you don't like, you, like we always do, you don't have to watch it. Uh, you can just listen to our conversation and, you know, we'll try to keep it as broad as possible so that even if you're not watching, it makes sense. So one, one of the things I should probably mention is I, I actually thought this was available on Amazon when I mentioned it. And then if you go to it, it says it's not available. <laughs> yeah. So they have like a slot for it. Um, so I ended up actually finding it and renting it on YouTube, uh, which you can do. Uh, so yeah. if you're looking for a place to, to pick this up, that might be a place to do it. Right. And I bought mm-hmm. it off of Amazon for like five bucks, the DVDs. Nice. I figured eh, I could rent it for four, or just buy it for five. So there you go. <laughs> That's what I ended up doing. Uh, so yeah, so we are going to be talking about a lot of really tough issues uh, in this one. And you you mentioned you wanted to mention something, or you wanted to talk about uh, one topic before we get into it. The, yeah, uh, um, yeah. It's I mean, you were, we were talking about this a little bit in the kind of the pregame, just the the kind of the um, looking at this and in, in the fact that this is a critique of 
of the way that, that the church really has looked at things, the way that Christians kind of tend to live things out. And there's a lot of that critique that I think is really valid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I think this is a, a, a good film to, to, to kind of really have a little bit of introspection about the places where we get it wrong in the church and in, in Christian subculture and, and all of that. But also recognizing that um, this has a particular bent of, you know, like this is where we want to go with where maybe where the church should be instead and, and saying, you know, well, I don't know if that's entirely true. And so let, let's discuss that and kind of see, you know, where are the places where, um, you know, this is a really good critique and where are the places where you're making that critique and telling us where we should be going that we should be saying, well, let, let's look at that in more detail. Let's really make sure that we understand that biblically and, and et cetera. Uh, and so you were talking about um, this, you know, idea that some people have, especially uh, I think among conservatives, of the gay agenda, and yeah. it's this kind of boogeyman people throw out. Uh, and so I think it's probably good to just talk about that a little before we get into the movie, because what we're not trying to do is to just kind of throw up a scare tactic and be like, you know, everybody that that makes this kind of critique of the church is just terrible or or whatever. Like, right. it's definitely not where we're coming from. Right. Um, but yeah, do you want to talk about that a bit? Yeah. So I believe it was the seventies. Uh, somebody uh, somebody wrote a book. I got. I should have looked this up just uh, before he started, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter because somebody wrote a book uh, <laughs> discussing how the gay community could better uh, join society, basically how they can mm. uh, become more equal to everyone else yeah. and live a safe and healthy and, you know, life with full of rights and, you know, every, every, everything everybody else has. And so this, which, you know, if it's, it's worth saying that that's a, that's a good thing. Like, yeah, like, I mean, it, especially looking at where things were in society, like, you know, there was a lot of exclusion and a lot of pain and and even, you know, danger for people that, that came out of the closet. And none of that was good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I think that they had a really good goal in mind in trying to to be more fully a part of society and be and be more accepted. Yeah, exactly. And so this person wrote up wrote this book and he outlined some steps that where the gay community can take in order to better, you know, join society, be accepted into society, I should say. And some of the stuff he said is put yourself out there. We need to be in movies. We need to be in music. We need to be everywhere in popular culture so that people actually see us as equal, as normal, as just like everyone else. And we also need to make the people that hate us look really bad because as long Mm -hmm. as they speak and talk to people about us, we're going to continue to be, you know, marginalized. Right. And so if the if the people who make themselves our enemies, if we make them look bad, if we show people how they're really the ones who are, you know, the problem in society, then that'll better help us, you know, be a part of society with everyone else. And so mm-hmm. unfortunately, Christians, when they read this, they they kind of misunderstood it and felt number one, yes, a lot of Christians don't like the idea of normalizing homosexuality. So that was a Mm -hmm. problem. And number two, they felt that they were basically being set up to be the, you know, the fall guy, basically that they were going to be demonized in society for believing that homosexuality, homosexuality is a sin. And 
on some level, yes, but on another level, it's not just because Christians believed homosexuality was a sin. It was because Christians really, especially at the time, did not believe that, you know, the gay community should have equal rights. They shouldn't be, yeah. you know, uh, and so on some level, yeah, I, I understand, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, it, that's where it comes from anyway. And so, mm. you know, I, I, I know people personally who talk about this and who think that it is an issue. Uh, personally, I don't think it's as big of an issue as people think. Definitely. And we were mm. mentioning this before also that there are absolutely people who want to destroy the church, who are completely against mm -hmm. the church, who want to strip us of our ability to have, you know, rights and all that. But in reality, I think we're doing okay. I don't think we have much to worry about it at the moment. And that probably is, like most movements, the more extreme end of it and the smaller end of it, you know, whereas, you know, I think about, you know, most people that are really trying to push for, you know, broader rights for uh, LGBTQ people, um, you know, they're doing that because they want to see themselves or people they love flourish. Mm -hmm. And they see that there are things that that society is doing that are, you know, keeping them from being able to, to do that. And so, you know, you think about things like the issue of, of um, you know, of what do we do with marriage? You know, who can get married and blah, blah, blah. Some of the stuff that we attach to that is is more societal than anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, I asked, you know, asked myself the question when, uh, when we, we were really starting to debate this more and more leading up to some of the Supreme Court decisions that really kind of shaped that the way laws are in our country now. And, and I'm thinking, do I think that, you know, somebody that is, you know, seriously committed to somebody else in a homosexual relationship shouldn't be able to visit their partner in the hospital just because they're not married or technically family? No, like that's terrible. Yeah. Right. Of course they should be able to like th there are a lot of things that, that like those are the kinds of things that people are fighting for. They're fighting to, to actually be able to, to kind of function more like you know, people that that are able to exercise some of the different rights and things that we or privileges that we attach to marriage that aren't necessarily like, you know, well, back in the Bible, you know, you would get a tax credit for like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, like that, that wasn't that yeah. wasn't the thing, you know, but but these are things that we attach to uh, to marriage. Uh, and uh, and so we have this kind of odd thing where sometimes I think, you know, people that are really just fighting to to kind of have more of an equal shake on, on a lot of those things we attach to marriage um, end up getting demonized as, as wanting to take down the institution of marriage. There are certainly people that do sure. or, or that, you know, want to take down the, ch the church or whatever. But again, you know, how how big of a portion of the movement is that? It's probably not that big. Yeah, because um, like, and I, you mentioned this also is that most people just want to live their lives. They don't right. want to waste their time destroying the church. They just want to go to work, come home, you know, spend time with their families. Yeah. And, you know, they're not interested in having a battle, you know, over over this stuff. Yeah. So, anyway. But then, then, like, the flip side of that is, is like, looking at it and saying, well, why does the church always talk about this issue? Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, I think that's not monolithic either. You have some people that talk about this issue because they're fixated on it. Sure. And they or, or they're disgusted by, you know, thinking about people that, that are in relationships that they can't understand mm -hmm. or, or whatever. And, and those things aren't healthy. You know, seeing um, 
looking at it, a, a homosexual um, sex as something that that's you know a sin beyond the pale of any other sin isn't healthy. It's actually not biblical. Right. And and people need to to really kind of work through that stuff if that's where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. But you also have you know like why would the church talk about this? Well, if if we have a bit a, a, a rather you know strong movement trying to pull society away from the way the church sees marriage and the way the church sees sexual ethic, of course the church is going to try to respond. And so yeah. some of that is very natural and people do that. And and that's part of, I think, what we're trying to do here today as well. It's just saying like this, this is where we're coming from as Christians and why we don't just go along with all of this, mm-hmm. but also why we really see, you know, there are things the church needs to do better. And, right. and there are things that um, we just do terribly and, and talk about terribly and don't, and maybe don't even really understand. And so mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's just recognizing that on both sides of this, we're not talking about, you know, we're not talking about a single group of people that is, is just terrible. And then another group of people that's awesome or like whatever <laughs> it's, there are the extremes on both sides. There are the people that, that are just trying to live or just, you know, like trying to understand the world through the, the lens that they've had for, for their whole life. Um, and that's all very natural, right? Mm-hmm. It's what we do with that tension and that disagreement, I think, that is is either healthy or not. And and so I think what we're trying to do is just to, to promote a healthy discourse on this and um, trying to help people learn how to love people, even if we disagree. Yeah. All right, we should get the movie started and then have <laughs> more of these discussions because a lot of them will be brought up. Because yeah. uh, uh, just like little throwaway lines that they say, just as jokes, oh, are going man. to start conversations between <laughs> between us. So there's some really good one-liners in this, and and some of them are hilarious, and some of them are really stinging because yeah. they really do just. It, it's amazing how one line in the right situation can just lay bare. Mm a huge undercurrent of, of pain and, and hurt yeah. that, that's there. Okay. So, uh, the movie is saved. Uh, we are paused at zeros. Are you ready to go? Count. Uh, I am. All right. I'll count uh, three, two, one, then press play. And then we will press play. So if you guys are watching at home, get your remote controls ready. Three, two, one, play. Okay. We'll probably have a black screen. Uh, I might be slightly ahead of you then. No, oh, I don't know. Nothing's coming up for me. Oh. What is going on? Okay. Oh, I have United Artisans coming up. Okay. There we go. Boom, United Artisans. Artists, sorry. <laughs> Artisans. Yeah. <laughs> we good? You making a bread. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, <We're> good. <laughs> it's like a union for uh, bakers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So here we have, uh, we see a sky, clouds, single cell pictures. So there you go. If you guys are following along, yeah. there you go. Uh, yeah. Uh, and again, uh, one of the great things about this movie is uh, Mandy Moore. I, I'm a huge fan of her because she just picked some really, really great roles in her career. Mm. And she's uh, really self-aware and she's got like a good sense of humor. So... <laughs> You have to in this business. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I look at this and I just see the, you know, the clouds and the sky and all of this. And the, now the word saved across the screen. It just reminds me of how a lot of Christians view 
the idea of being saved that it's about just going up in the clouds and being with God with a harp and all that. Oh, and yeah. It's like, man, that's not really quite <laughs> quite the, the picture that we see in the Bible where there's actually physically resurrection. Yeah. Um, but that, that just kind of starts out, I feel like, this whole kind of sense of misunderstanding maybe that, that so much of cultural Christianity is kind of built on um, and that we see a lot of uh, critique of in this movie. Yeah. And then we have our introduction to our, the main character, Mary. Hmm. And what did she say at the beginning? I've been born again my whole life. My whole life. Yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting thing that uh, I, I, you know, I always say this. I probably say it in every episode. But I was, I came to my faith later in life, in my uh, like late twenties. And I've had these discussions with friends where they say, you know what? I've never had that come to Jesus moment. I've never felt that mm -hmm. conversion. I became a Christian when I was, a, you know, like a little kid. So I never had that moment. I, I wish I had that. And I'm over here like, geez, I wish I was born into Christian Christianity because this is really hard. Mm -hmm. This is not an easy life to, to come to this later in life after you've, you know, yeah, screwed up so much and done, you know develop taste for things that you probably shouldn't have <laughs> it's yeah <laughs> it's like the grass is always greener kind of thing you know oh totally well and you know here this is a really big part of especially kind of late 90s sure you know culture where you know you had people protesting in abortion clinics and all of that right you know that's a a serious issue as well yeah and she's talking about like her life growing up. Her she lost her father when she was a child. Uh, she uh, she has a boyfriend that she really loves. She is part of this group of Christian girls who like I forget what they call themselves. I think they're going to mention it soon. But uh, the Christian jewels, the Christian jewels, and she has everything that a young Christian girl would want in her life. You know, she goes to a Christian college. Uh, they show that there's a you know, a giant, like, Jesus uh, <coughs> that they painted outside the school. And uh, at in, the, in a moment here, uh, she talks about how her and her boyfriend, like, what do they do? They confess things? They tell each yeah, other secrets? like underwater in the pool. Underwater in the pool so that no one else can hear but themselves. And so they go underwater, and he tells her, that he's gay and uh, she uh you know kind of freaks out and pushes herself out of the water and hits her head and as she's coming in and out of consciousness and the pool boy jumps in and he resembles jesus and <laughs> she believes that jesus appears to her and tells her to help him And so here we have the entrance of conflict into the perfect yeah. story, right? <laughs> These uh, visions that people have. This yeah. is interesting. I never, uh, never had a vision. Or felt God telling me anything. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. other than, you know, what the Bible says and all, but... <laughs> this whole, you know, strong movement to, you know, feeling that I'm supposed to do something or another. Yeah. So here we another another subplot where her, you know, now single mom is 
definitely interested in the, in her pastor. Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, definitely some tension there because he's, I, I forget if he's still married and thinking about divorce or if he's actually, you know, divorced or widowed or separated, but the divorce comes up later on in the film and you start having this tension there of like, yeah. what should he be doing? Right. <clears throat> yeah. I, I don't think he's married at this point, but, okay. uh, which is why it, because that's kind of like the justification for it. Why we have the justification, mm -hmm. but he doesn't, is that he thinks that, you know, once you're married, you can't marry again. Right. And uh, here we have, uh, and again, now she's talking about her boyfriend, like, how could he be gay? He's the best Christian. He's really, really good at, you know, he's a figure skater. He's, uh, you know, he's a man of faith. He's really devoted to his faith. Oh, man. And then you have the line, why had he been stricken with such a spiritually toxic affliction? Mm. And, you know, it's just that sense of really Christians kind of not really. In the Christian faith, I think, you know, we see it a lot differently than than people do in outside the faith where, you know, when Christian talks about someone being, you know, gay, what they're talking about when they think about. doing things. It's actually about, you know, having sex as, you know, having gay sex and, you know, in the world it, being gay is, is, is an identity. It's, it's you know, right. part of kind of who you are. That's how people see it. And so been stricken with such a spiritually toxic affliction when you're talking about being gay, like I can see, you know, looking at that from the outside and just being like, what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> like, you know, you're talking about this person as if they're less than human. Right. And, and that's terrible. Uh, and I can absolutely understand that. Yeah. And again, that that's, you know, the, the slippery slope argument there is that the Christians either mm -hmm. used to use, and I hope they don't use anymore, is that if they're allowed to marry each other, then when will they, then we're going to be okay with them marrying animals. And that's, that kind of dehumanization Ugh. of a group of people is really not a really Christian way of looking at somebody. No. You know who's no. made in God's image. I mean, regardless of what they do, you know, yeah, they're made in God's image, and they're it's not it's nothing close to that. Well, and and I think the, the the concept of the image of God is so close to the center of this whole thing because, you know, when we talk about someone being made in God's image, the the way that people have thought about that a lot historically has been, you know, oh, someone has reason or self-consciousness or something. And that's mm -hmm. what makes them, you know, but really it, when we take it back to what it would have meant in its original context, being made in the image of God is, is an identity and it's a role. It's mm. I'm, I'm made to represent God on earth. Right. Like that's, that's what humanity was made to do is to represent him, to, to fill the earth, to subdue it. Um, and that gives identity, it gives value and it gives purpose. And I think that's one of the, the clearest ways of talking about this in a way that's like, yes, you know, the church does see the, see this differently. But um, when we're talking about identity, we're, we're not thinking about sexual orientation the way that people generally are when they think about it uh, in the world. We're talking about identity as like, you know, God's created you <laughs> to, to have this role and this purpose, and that gives you value. Mm -hmm. And so there's a sense of I have value. Um, regardless of what I do or what I say, 
that I think we don't want to under undermine as we're talking about something um, that is a, a challenging issue between the church and, and society. Right. So we've just seen uh, Mary do all she can. Yeah. She, uh... <laughs> uh, trying to trying to help Dean by uh, losing her virginity, which yeah. is I'm pretty sure not what Jesus meant. Right. Uh, that, if that uh... was even seeing Jesus, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And so, yeah, we have a, this kind of introduction to the Christian jewels. Uh, they're, they made little mm -hmm. pins for one another. And <coughs> yeah, this Mandy Moore character, she's like the righteous, the you know, the righteousest of righteous. <laughs> if that's, mm -hmm. am I saying that right? Very self-righteous. And uh, her little, her brother, Macaulay Culkin, played by Macaulay Culkin, who's in a wheelchair. And he's very cynical. But he's, uh, you know, yeah. he's much more open-minded. He because, you know, he's, I don't know. I guess the idea is that, you know, when something terrible happens to you, when you end up in a wheelchair, you kind of see you have a different perspective on things. He's not negative. He's not angry. He's just like, oh, yeah, things aren't. You know, the world's a little bit more complicated than, you know, than yeah. we, we originally thought. Well, all these other folk, these good Christian people, are everything's wonderful and everything's great and you just have to believe in God and everything will work out kind of mentality, mm -hmm. which does kind of exist in the church. Yeah. A little bit more than a little bit. Yeah. Well, and, and, and part of the challenge with that is you have this sense of, you know, the in group and the out group where it's like, Oh, you know, if everything is great, then we need to make sure we preserve that. So mm -hmm. if you're not great, then you're out, you know? Right. And, and we're going to see that pretty soon with, with, uh, Mary's boyfriend, Dean, who gets sent away to this, you know, kind of Christian counseling camp place that fixes everything, according to her uh, particular group of, of uh, people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's just how, how do we deal with people that don't fit without just ostracizing people mm. and treating them as other? And I, I feel like we're especially bad at that in Western society because we don't really understand the, how do you shame mm. that, you know, shame is meant to draw people in back into the group. It's not meant to push people out, but yeah. since we don't know how to use it, we're not collective <laughs> society. <laughs> we just shove people out and, and here we are. They're just about to do that. Yeah. Uh, she, uh, they go to pick Dean up at his house, uh, you know, the next day after she's very hopeful that she may have fixed him and the parents come to the door and say that he's gone to a camp uh, to help him because they found a uh, gay magazine in his, under his bed. And so, you know, she and she herself can't even tell her friends that her boyfriend's gay because what are they going to say? And that's that, that, that I think is an interesting thing. Uh, yeah. And they talk about how like the camp is for alcoholism, de-gayification and all that stuff, drug addiction, and, and, and so, unwed mothers, and which a, she's yeah. soon going to be. Right? <laughs> and uh, what was I going to say? I, I a long time ago, I talked to Dennis Jernigan, who's a Christian songwriter. Mm. He was a friend. He is a friend of Emily and Nathan. Um, and he, he talked about how he basically he was born with, because uh, I, I don't want to say that he was born gay, because that's not how he would put it, and I don't want to say it in a way that he wouldn't. He was born with that attraction, with same-sex attraction. Mm -hmm. 
And he said that he knew from a very young age that he had this attraction. And when he was one day when he was walking to uh, to church in the you know in the doorway, a pastor and another you know church elder were laughing. They were just having a great time laughing. And when he got close and asked them what was what was so funny, they said that they were making fun of gay people. Like they were saying horrible things about gay people. Mm. And he thought they're talking about me. Now, not really because they didn't know this about him, but if they found out, this is what they think of me. Right. And so he could not yeah. come out. He could not tell them. He could not help them. Like you get help anywhere because if he comes out, this and this, these are the horrible things that they're saying, then, yeah. you know, what are they going to do to me? So there's mm-hmm. literally no help available. There's, we talked about this, you know, last month. There's help for people who watch porn. There's help for people who have alcoholism. There's help if you're having trouble in marriage. But if you're gay, if people find out you're gay yeah. in the church, it's, you know, who can you tell? Who can you talk to? And and if having trouble in marriage is crossed over into divorce, that can be another thing where people get caught off too. Right. So, yeah. And again, and there's, there's a lot of stories like, uh, uh, God, uh, there's a pastor, I forget what his name is, uh, Ted Haggard, who mm. was a mega church pastor. He, you know, was having a an affair. Well, he was seeing a male prostitute and was found out, mm-hmm. and he yeah. lost everything. He lost everything because yeah. every, he, being a mega church pastor, the church owned his home. He wrote. He signed a contract that said that he wasn't allowed to preach for three years. The only degree he had a master's degree, but in biblical theology from a Christian college, which means nothing in the you know out in the world. Yeah. So he had nothing. It's like He's, okay, well, you can probably read, but that's the only thing we know about you. Do we want to hire right. you? <laughs> but I mean, you know? but it just made me yeah. think: like, who was he going to talk to if he struggles with this temptation? Mm. If he struggles with this, who's going to listen to him and understand considering how people in the church view, you know, people in the LGBTQ plus community? It's it's got to be terrifying. Well, and that's that's kind of a double there, because, you know, not only was was he struggling with that, but he's he's also, you know, married. And so this was Mm. activity on the side, which is, again, not something that's okay in the church. So um, that was a a whole complicated situation for sure. Yeah. And if you, yeah, I recommend if you guys have HBO max, uh, you can check out uh, the trial of Ted Haggard on HBO max. It's a HBO documentary where very sympathetic towards him. I mean, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a woman basically who did a, she did a tour of the country, Christians around the country. She visited a bunch of Christians and talked mm-hmm. to him for that documentary and then went back to him after this happened to kind of see where his life has gone. And, you know, it's really, really, it's a great story because he is a devout Christian. He made a mistake. He screwed up and he lost everything and him trying to build himself back up. It's a really Mm. interesting story, you know? And so, you know, the kind of the hate from the gay community for what he was before and then, Christians who weren't yeah, allowed to yeah. talk to him anymore. It's, it's, yeah. You're on the outside of pretty much every group at that point. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, one of the things that you know, we kind of 
glossed over this earlier, but like, you know, the fact that, that Mary's boyfriend is sent away to this, you know, counseling place and, you know, looking at just the way that the church has really tried to deal with this issue has, has historically not been very good. And so I you know we can look back on things like conversion therapy and, you know, you've had pretty much everybody in, in kind of the professional world has come out and said, you know, this is, this is not good. It's not, it's harmful. It's not something we should be doing. Mm -hmm. and, and yet that has been kind of the main approach that I think a lot of people in the church have taken. It's just, you know, kind of this kind of pray the gay away mm. kind of approach to things that, um, just, do, it doesn't, it doesn't work. And I think there's a number of reasons for that, mm -hmm. uh, though I'm no expert. Um, but I think this idea that you can change somebody's desires mm. is, I, I think that's possible, but I don't think it's very likely. Right. Yeah. So then you have the question of what do you do if you have those desires and you still believe they're wrong? then, and then how do you live? And, and that's a place where the church has done a really poor job of dealing with anything related to this. Hmm. Well, you can never, and you're broken and you're terrible. Are you, um, widowed? Well, you know, you might be able to marry again, but you, you know, you're, you're broken and you're terrible too, for some reason. We can't really tell you why, <laughs> right? Um, we're just you know, going to take Are you still road. single or something? <laughs> Right. Are, are you still single? Well, something must be wrong with you because yeah. you haven't gotten married yet. And and that's the only way you can fully express the image of God, which is a terrible misunderstanding of that concept. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's again, you just have the church just holding up purity in marriage so much that it's like, how can I even be a person and fully be a person if I'm not married, if I'm not in that relationship where I can fully express, you know, and the church has created a lot of problems with that. And we, we need to do better about recognizing the worth of every person and recognizing that there are people that are called to singleness and that that can be a really beautiful and amazing thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and not just kind of letting it be a side thing where it's like, well, they're just weird. Right. <laughs> right. Because if we're going to say that they're just weird in, in any kind of normal situation within the church, then when you add in, things where it's like, oh, well, you're in that situation because you have these desires the church thinks is, are wrong. It just gets more and more complicated and more and more ostracizing. And that's, we really need to be doing better. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You just made a really good point. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, uh, so uh, we're kind of talking about uh, the the they're they're having the first uh, what do you call it the uh, assembly assembly of the, of the yeah. school year, and we have the pastor talking like you know who's down with God and you know like that that idea that like you know pastors often try to be cool, you know <laughs> to, to relate to the kids. Yeah, and uh, it's you know. It never works, but it's, you know, I mean, what are they going to do? They're trying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you have in the midst of this, you know, Mary, they're having time for prayer and Mary is praying like, so, you know, about that thing with Dean, like I did what you, you asked me to do. I did everything I could. Please fix him and please take care of, you know, I don't want to get pregnant. Like there's very much this combination of, of that, you know, kind of purity culture driven naivete yeah. where, 
you know, she probably didn't even think that getting pregnant was possible at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, as the film goes on, it becomes more obvious that that's exactly what happened. Right. Um, but, you know, it's uh, it's it's heartbreaking to see this kind of a situation because this is the kind of thing that does happen when you don't actually talk to people about the nature of reality. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're going to have sex, you will probably end up getting pregnant or getting someone pregnant unless you take precautions. But if, if we don't want to, to, you know, encourage you to have sex and therefore we're going to just pull away all the precautions and now it's abstinence only, this is the kind of situation you can create where suddenly people really don't know anything about something that is so impactful on their lives. Yeah. And like, you know, like you were saying before, uh, that, uh, the whole thing about singleness and there's a great community of singles on Twitter, uh, uh, who are trying Mm. to push back against the whole notion that this is just a season, you know, you're, you're going to find somebody you're almost there, but you're, you'll be fully complete when you find somebody. And, you know, again, they're pushing against it. And yeah. realizing that, no, I am whole now. I am in the place that, yeah, I would like to be in a relationship. I would like to be married, but that's not where I am right now. And that doesn't make me lesser or just a part of, uh, you know, in a waiting room. I'm as full and whole as you are in marriage. I'm as full as whole as, you know, I was when I was younger before I could be in a relationship. I, you know, it's, and it's a really important message, I think, that a lot of, especially women, I think need to be, you know, taught that, uh, you know, you're not going to be made better in marriage. You're just, it's just a different, it's just different. It's <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it, that's especially just, it's, it's just interesting with the church because, you know, how do you talk about marriage and, and singleness in the church when you're in the context of purpose and mission, mm-hmm. right? And I, I think when we lose sight of the mission of the church and the, our purpose as Christians, it can be really easy to then think, well, you know, I, I'll i be happier if I'm married. And that's all you're really focused on, right? And so therefore being singleness is, you know, maybe not good or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but you start thinking about, like, how how can we best fulfill the, the mission that God has called us to as Christians, that he's created us for as people? And, you know, a big part of that is this idea of multi being fruitful and multiplying. But in the church, we've, we still see this almost entirely in the sense of I need to get married and have kids. Yeah. Right. Which is, is kind of bizarre to me because that's almost like a pre-Christian idea of that, that like once you get into the church, yes, that's part of it. But another part of being fruitful and multiplying is making disciples. (laughs) (laughs) And you can do that just as effectively single, uh, whether you're, you know, you've never been married or you're widowed or you're divorced or whatever, like, um, or you're, you're choosing to be celibate, whatever it is, you can do that effectively. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to be married to do that. You don't have to have have, you know, sex to do that. And, and so, um, I think sometimes some of this stuff just gets built up because the church, it isn't really thinking holistically about all of this. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. So, um, geez, uh, what were we just talking about? Uh, the, you know, living holistically as a, as a mm-hmm. church and yeah. Yeah, it's it because it does. It gets really difficult, especially because people in the church, you know, the marriage is really, really important. So for mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So for, you know, when they have like Christian, you know, marriage council, you know, conferences and marriage meetings and all this stuff and very little for single people other than like single mixers, you know, yeah, <laughs> like trying, like if it's, you know, it's either for marriage or trying to get you married and it's very, right. you know. Well, and, and I've been in, in church environments like that, that specifically in, like in Seattle, I was, I was at Mars Hill when it was pretty early on mm. and there was a lot of that emphasis of trying to kind of get people married because that's how you were supposed to be fruitful and multiply. And, um, you know, I actually know a, a couple that, that went there that, um, you know, they, you know, got married partly, you know, with that, that influence as part of that part of their life. And then later on in life, um, you know, he ended up um, basically coming out as transgender. And, and I don't think he's actually fully transitioned to, um, you know, to female anatomy, um, but has, you know, changed uh, his name to her name and uh, has, you know, changed appearance and all that. And so it's, it's a very like, it's a challenging thing to have so much pressure mm. put on, well, if you're, if you're single, then you have to get married and it can really make some of these other things that are, are really a real part of people's lives, all that much more challenging, especially if they end up jumping in and having kids and then, and then end up facing these issues later in life. Um, it can tear, tear families apart. And, yeah. and that's a real, real challenge. You know, it's, um, how do we do better? You know? Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, and that... then here she's, Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no. I was going to say here she's figured out, figuring out she's pregnant. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> you have this scene where she's riding her bike and she's basically, you know, someone is saying, you know, um, I find out I wasn't pregnant. It was cancer. And so she's kind of going to be coming back from the the clinic or, you know, from taking the test and basically riding her bike saying, please don't let it be cancer. Please don't let it be cancer. And it's like, man, like if that's where we're at, like something is wrong. Yeah. You know? I keep going back. To I think this, it got uh, a little bit ahead of it. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, we probably. got disconnected and <laughs> sorry. But uh I keep going back to this idea of singleness and marriage and dating and all. And maybe this is mm -hmm. a discussion for a different episode, but uh really quickly, what do you think? Because this is something I'm still trying to figure out myself. What do we think yeah. of um let's say uh uh, what would I call it? Casual dating where mm. you go out with somebody that you, you kind of like just to see, you know, what it's like, because in Christianity, either it's no dating at all, just courtship, or you date yeah. and you know you're ready to get married. But the problem that I see with that is that you really don't know anything about what you like, what you're interested in, you know, what people are like, right. what relationships are like. I, I dated before I was Christian, mm -hmm. and it really helped me to figure out, oh, the things I thought I wanted, I really don't <laughs> want. And I'm actually yeah. don't work with this kind of thing. Or wanting this is really unrealistic and unnecessary, actually. I don't need my girlfriend or wife to like the same music I like, just as long as she doesn't hate it. You know, she doesn't have <laughs> <Right>. to <laughs> be okay, you know. The the things that I learned about myself, dating people, was really yeah. really helpful, 
And I think that it, well, it has more to do with the time because back in the day, you know, back in ancient times, just dating, you know, I mean, there was no dating because you yeah. really had very little option and there wasn't pop culture jamming images of women and options and all this mm -hmm. stuff in your head. You know, yeah. it was basically, but now because you, you know, we're kind of overly, you know, saturated with everything, maybe casual dating might help. I mean, I definitely think that that we can, if you try to just take an extreme, it's you're going to run into a lot of a lot of challenges. And um, you know, I I grew up in that whole kind of you know I kiss dating goodbye um, courtship kind of thinking. And you know, like we were talking about last episode, when you when when like your major influences are that kind of thinking and being exposed to pornography at a younger age than you should be or, or at all, because really, sure, sure. it's not good for anybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's like, that's a very strange place to be. And so, you know, I definitely felt that, you know, sense of like, I don't really know how to do this. And, and I would have learned a lot from, from, you know, dating when I was younger, uh, that I didn't learn. Uh, and so, you know, it's like, how do you do that well and do that, um, responsibly. And, you know, this is another place where, you know, kind of individual individualistic culture like we have and your more collectivist cultures just think about things differently, you know? So for us, you know, to think about having a chaperone is like, no, like never, right? I want right. my freedom. <laughs> I want my privacy and all this. Uh, but you look at a collectivist culture and, you know, there's very much the sense of like, you know, why would we not help our young people that are in the, the throes of, you know, being young and being attracted to each other and all of that, why would we not help them avoid temptation if we can do that? Mm -hmm. and, and so they just look at it completely differently um, in a way that, you know, you know, maybe we could learn from in some ways, but I'm not saying we need to adopt that, <laughs> you know, either. Right. But it's just like, how do we learn from the way that different people do things and, and find a healthy kind of path forward for, for our communities and for ourselves? And yeah, um, you know, it's I I don't think the whole purity culture, you know, no dating until you're married kind of thing really does that very well. Um, but, you know, throwing people into, you know, <laughs> yeah, sure. Go go clubbing and, and uh, see what happens. Kind of uh, thinking <laughs> it's not always the smartest thing to do either. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe not clubbing, but certainly giving more people a chance than. Yes. You know, then only dating the the one person that you think God brought you, you know, brought to you. Which just sets you up for so much. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because again, that the mentality that God has one person for you, that if you've been a good Christian and you saved yourself, then he's going to bring mm -hmm. the perfect person for you. But you don't know what the perfect person is, you know. <laughs> you think you do because yeah. it's what you want. But it's, mm. you know, and so you're going to be making bad decisions because you don't know. And so right. how you do that, maybe if you can find a healthy way to date folks casually, just go on a few dates to see, you know, how things are going. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's it's because it, yeah, none of it's easy. None of it's easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and I think a big part of that is is, you know, allowing for some kind of you know, community influence there too, where it's like, you know, 
if you're if you're you know if you are dating people and you are you know facing temptation like you should have friends you can talk to about that mm. you know and if you don't you know you're you're going to be in a position where it's a lot harder for you to uh to make smart decisions yeah. <laughs> right um so you know whatever that looks like for for you you know that it, it should be something you know we were not meant to do this all, all on our own in life um even when it comes to to these kinds of things mm. So here we see Mary has has found out she's pregnant and she's, you know, just utterly broken and yeah. she's just, you know, cursing at the cross that's on the side of a church. Yeah. Just like, you know, being rebellious, the only way she knows how is standing in front of the church and just saying bad words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And then here we have, uh, you know, uh, her friend uh, played by Mandy Moore. I forget what her name is. Actually, was passing Hillary Fay. Hillary Fay, passing out flyers at school to uh, to have a prayer circle for Dean, who's mm -hmm. gay. So basically, telling everybody that you know what the, you know that Mary's boyfriend is gay, which yeah. I hear that did does happen. You know, people kind of letting secrets out in to kind of mess with people in the you know, kind yeah. of attempt to, or when they're really just, you know, by saying that, no, no, we're praying for you, but their intentions are much yeah. more wicked than that. Oh, it's amazing how we can twist even things like prayer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and it's interesting here. I mean, you know, we have this, we just came off of this tension with, with Mary finding out she's pregnant and, and that whole sense of shame. And, and now we're having this, you know, whole big scene around Dean being gay and how that impacts Mary's image in this particular community. And, um, it's, it's just a very, like, it's a challenging set of, of circumstances for anybody to kind of deal with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I just think it's interesting, you know, what, you know, of course they pick Mary as the name of this character <laughs> yeah. and that's definitely on purpose, you yeah. know? And so I can't help but think back to, um, to Mary in the Bible. And you have the same kind of circumstances where it's like, okay, in this one case, it actually was the Holy Spirit that came over Mary. And, you know, she didn't actually, you know, have, have sex with someone that wasn't her betrothed and all of this, but, but that whole stigma is hanging over her. And you actually yeah. see some of that kind of brought up, especially by Matthew in his gospel, um, where he talks about, you know, the the religious leaders pushing back against Jesus, saying, you know, basically, we we weren't born in, illegitimately. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're aiming straight at Jesus. And, you know, and how does he respond to that? And and so it's interesting because we have this kind of sense of, of the shameful story that's actually at the center of the Christian gospel. And yet we're not really very good at dealing with shame in the church. Yeah. Uh, and it's like... How... <laughs> but... The, that's weird, right? Yeah, like, but I, that's broken. And then we have a really, truly decent guy of Joseph who was set to marry her, yeah. who's saying, I'm going to divorce her in secret so that it, so as to not, like, you know, ruin her life so that it doesn't mm -hmm. affect her in a negative, as with, you know, causing as little damage to her as possible because in our society, things are, you know, we're not seeing, they're, they're, they don't see this kind of thing too lightly, so... And he's a, yeah. a decent guy, Joseph was, to to help her in that way. And be, because he didn't know. I mean, how would he know? Right. 
<laughs> and then, you know, of course, he finds out, right? right. <laughs> um, but it, it's interesting, too, because it's not just the, the story of Mary. When you look at the different women that are part of Jesus's genealogy oh, that yeah. Matthew puts in there on purpose, you have the same kind of stories around either, you know, someone like Rahab, who was a prostitute, mm -hmm. or Tamar, who seduces her her father, father-in-law, I forget, I think father, um, or... Um, you know, Ruth, who's, you know, there's some questions about her being, you know, being a Moabitess and some of the immorality that comes along with that. And so you have this sense of this stigma that's in all of the women's stories. Bathsheba's the other one, right? Mm -hmm. And she's the one that David commits adultery with. Um, and, and yet Matthew brings them into Jesus's genealogy on purpose, uh, in part to really kind of throw a contrast of like, you know, yes, you know, like these even, you know, the women that were in these situations and that people look down on that have all of this shame kind of heaped on them in our society are actually honored as part of the lineage of Jesus because they were faithful in other ways. Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, in Mary's case, because she was just faithful and and she's the reversing of, of all of this. Yeah. Uh, and so it's very interesting how poorly we deal with some of this stuff in the church when this is a part of the story. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I, I, I don't get it, you know? Yeah. And uh, did we talk about this on the podcast or before? Just the idea of the importance of humility. It isn't just like oh, a good character trait. It's a reminder that we weren't, you know, we, we, we got salvation in spite of our sin. We do not deserve right. it. It was given to us because we are loved by God in spite mm -hmm. of what we've done. So what does that tell us about how we should treat other people, how we should treat yeah. other people's sins, how we should treat, you know, other, it, 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 it's that, that humility is supposed to drive love towards them. Mm -hmm. So, and yet how, yeah. How often do we, we end up being prideful and driving people away? Yeah. Hmm. And now uh, Mary, because, you know, she was driven out of the the Christian jewels, is now trying other religions. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of funny in this, this storyline, but at the same time, it's like, you know, if you want to drive somebody out of the church, if you want to drive them away from Jesus, mm -hmm. um, using shame to push them out is a pretty effective way to do that. Yeah. Uh, and that's really just not something we should be doing you know, as part of the church, if we're, if we're talking about proper church discipline, there's, there's kind of a different way of going about that. And, you know, that's one of those things where, you know, you see Matthew 18, where Jesus says, you know, if, uh, if you have something, you know, someone has sinned against you, you know, go to them. Right. Mm -hmm. And if they won't listen to you, then take more witnesses. And if you, if that doesn't work, then take it to the church. And so you see this, this sense of the best way to do this is to start with as little shame as possible and try to use that to pull them back in, not push them out. And right. then if you need to escalate, you do. And that's just not the way that we work. We use this at all in our mm -hmm. society. Here we have the, the famous scene where uh, they, uh, the pastor, the, the, the principal of the school tries to, you know, talks to Faye to get her to help Mary because there's something wrong with her. And she, they tried to exercise her. They tried. 
And again, and but here's the thing is that she then starts throwing all this all these accusations back at them because they're no better than she is. Mm-hmm. And so she and everybody knows all these little secrets about one another and you know, but they the only ones that matter are the ones that Mary do, has done. And right scene where Faye, you know, Faye uh. just uh this is the best kind of one-liner summary of the movie right here. Yeah. the She throws her Bible and says, I'm filled with Christ's love, and you're just jealous of my success. And then Mary comes back and she says, "Yeah, this is not a weapon, you idiot. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I. That's brilliant. Yeah. And the, I do want to, I did want to bring up this uh, whole note because it's something that's happened in the last 20 years more. Uh, hmm. The progressive Christian, yeah, uh, movement that happened uh, when it and uh, yeah, I don't know the exact specifications of like you know the times and who was important and all. I I just know of it because of my experience within it because I used to have a podcast where my co-host was a progressive Christian, and mm-hmm. I remember when Rob Bell, he's the uh, he used to be the pastor of a mega church, wrote a book called love wins where he basically said that there is no hell and so he left the church and he wrote this book and (coughs) many of course of course they would evangelical christians disowned him but he created Mm -hmm. this movement through through that with a lot of young people who had been losing their faith because the church had been increasingly much more political much more conservative much more and anti-gay anti-immigrant you know much more judgmental in the eyes especially of young people who are idealistic and loving and you know want the hello yep here okay want what's good and what's the best for people and so this you know a lot of people had been leaving the church a lot of young people had been leaving the church or not liking what the church has been teaching them. And then along comes this guy who says, hey, the Jesus of love and grace and compassion that you've been taught taught about, he is real. He does exist. And you should also know that there's also no hell. And you should also know that there's no, you know, that God is gay affirming, that all of this, you know, much more liberal point of view of theology and yeah. it became much easier, you know, I mean, that's the thing is that he makes a really good point when he says that when you lose your faith in God, a lot of people still feel an emptiness inside mm-hmm. because they did love God. The thing of it is, is that he was right about Jesus's love. But then when you get into that, especially with young people who aren't, don't know the, the, again, they want to be accepting. They want to be loving. It's yeah, you know. So it makes sense that why wouldn't God be? Wouldn't be why? Why wouldn't God be gay affirming? Why would He make a hell? Why would He do all these things that you know? It just it seems like it makes sense, and it makes sense against the anger, the vitriol, the bitterness of a lot of churches and a lot of church leaders. Yes. You know, and so it becomes easier well, and, and to it makes push sense them into when that your idea, kind of circle. Yeah. It makes sense when your idea of, of, you know, 
what what being gay is as an identity. So of course, you know, if God loves people, He loves them just the way they are. Uh, so, um, you know, the this the different ways that people actually think about the dynamics of this uh, feed into that as well. Yeah. And so for me, yeah, it it became this really difficult for me to comprehend a lot of it because it really was the idea that, you know, we don't believe that God would send you to hell. And I'm like, no, absolutely. He doesn't send mm. you to hell. It's, it's the consequence of, you know, having sinned. He's saving us from hell. He's not like kicking you into it. He's not shoving you into it. It's the consequence mm. of what we have done. And so, but again, if you believe that God is sending people to hell, then, or that that's what the Bible teaches, then yeah, of course, it's going to sound much worse than it actually is. Yeah. And so, but again, it, it's, it, it becomes really, it's like a house of cards. It really doesn't make much sense because, you know, if God didn't write the stuff we don't like, then how do we know he wrote the stuff we do like? Yeah. What makes the love your neighbor, love your enemies, what makes that more likely to have been written by God than, you know, don't get drunk or don't, you know, no premarital sex or no, you know, what you can't just pick and choose which verses you like and which you don't. Yeah. And, and, and still keep them all like, you know, keep any of like, if, if one of them isn't real, then the rest of them can't be real. It's, it's, you know, it becomes a, a really difficult thing to pick and choose which ones are actual and which ones are not. It's, they all become suspect. Well, and that's, again, I think where we're this, you know, this idea of, you know, recognizing the image of God and how that defines our identity, our value and purpose is so important and central to, to how the Christians see the world or should see the world. Because, you know, when we're talking about this issue and we're talking about, you know, issues of identity, you know, we have, you know, people that, you know, that really truly see sexual orientation as part of somebody's core identity. It's not something that you can change. It's something they should be able to express to the, to the fullest, uh, et cetera. Um, whereas, you know, Christians often will talk about it and you kind of get this idea of like, well, you know, being gay is sinful. And then it's like, what does that actually mean? Right. Mm -hmm. Christians mean something different by that. If they're actually being biblical, right. um, then, you know, like your, your very core of your identity is something God hates, right? That's not it at all. Sure. And yeah. that's not what, what, you know, the church usually means by that, but because we don't know how to actually talk to people, <laughs> uh, it's like, we can't even say like what we intend to say because there's these differences in worldview and vocabulary. And, and we just completely, you know, mess up that, that communication, what we are, what we mean by it usually within the church is seeing that there are certain things that people do when they're, they're actually, you know, having sex that are, are, are things that are, are not okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and part of that for the church is just anybody having sex outside of marriage period. So <laughs> right. that's like one of those things is like, okay, well that's, that's a pretty clear boundary. Right. And another one of the things that you see in, in, you know, in scripture and the church talks about is, is having sex outside of, you know, it being a marriage that is, is defined as one man and one woman. Um, and there's a lot that goes into that kind of historical definition. I think the church is really bad at talking about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, you get these things like, you know, a lot of the one-liners in, in, in this, 
uh, movie actually, you know, sound a lot like things people say now. Um, you know, it's like, well, God didn't make Adam and Eve. He made Adam and Steve or uh, oh, yeah. other way around. Yeah. Or, you know, he didn't make Adam and Steve. He made Adam and Eve. And it's just like, okay, but I, like, I don't really feel like, A, that's a very good argument. And like, <laughs> it just feels very dismissive of the humanity of people that, that identify differently than, than what, what you see is, is okay within marriage. And so how do we talk about this better? It's a big, big issue. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, disagree and still live together. Yes. Because we can't, we're, nobody's going to go away, you know? It, right. We're all going to stay here. We're all going to be neighbors. So how can we disagree and be okay with that? How can we, like, live together? And how can we talk to one another without causing horrible, like, you know, <laughs> arguments yeah. and fights? And and separations and divisions. It's well, and and that goes for the you know even just talking about more conservative and more progressive Christianity. Aside from issues like this, um, although of course these are central to those disagreements. You know, mm-hmm. how do we actually act like a family that cares and loves for each other? Because we're supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, but we're certainly not very good at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Again, and and we we've, we've talked about this. We tried to figure out how we're gonna word this, how we're gonna talk about this. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I would. I I gotta say, I would love to be gay affirming. It would make mm. things so much easier. It would make more sense to me in my head, like you know, why somebody has not just a physical attraction to same sex, but an emotional attraction. You know. Yeah. It would. But anything I believe, anything I believe within my faith has to be proven biblically in some way. It has to make sense. And it just doesn't. I can't get my head. And I've read all the arguments. I've read all the debates. I've read all the, you know, all the points made by progressives, people who believe that homosexuality is okay in God. I mean, you know, homosexual sex and relationships. Right. And I can't, I can't see it. I can't, uh, you know, and again, I might, I may change my mind someday, but so far, biblically speaking, I can't, I don't, I don't see it much as I tried and I really tried. (laughs) Oh, and it's interesting because, you know, you didn't grow up in the church. You, you had, you know, came to it later in life. I did grow up in the church and yet we, we end up kind of ended up with basically the same kind of position on this where it's, you know, like I, it would be easier, honestly. Like I would love to be able to be just straight up, n- not conflicted and totally happy for people that I see that are in what appear to be very loving relationships with people of the same sex. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't. And and for me, the reason for that is is straight up just I can't. I don't see how that works within the Bible, and I believe the Bible is formative to my faith. Yeah. Now, I had a, a roommate in college that that came out to me, um, and was like, you know, I, I'm I'm gay, and like, this that was one of those moments when it was it was like, okay, like you are going to learn something about yourself, <laughs> you know, um, because you know I had to ask myself the question like, how do I, th- what do I think about this? How do I feel about this, and why? And when I really got down to the why, 
and reflecting on it, it's like it wasn't something where I was I, I felt like really uncomfortable with being around him or I was disgusted by it or any of those things. I just basically asked him, I was like, you know, oh, well, you know, are you do you find me attractive? Right. Because obviously if we're in a roommate situation and he finds me attractive, I don't want him to be dealing with that. And and that's not something I'm interested in. So sure. then we would have a change of the situation. And he said, you know, no, I, d I don't. And I believed him. And, and that was kind of it. Like, because for me, it was like, if, if you're, if, if being roommates together, isn't going to cause this, this temptation for you and the situation that I don't want, because I, that's not, not where I'm coming from. Like I can still be your roommate because we still enjoy spending time together. We still like have fun with friends and doing things and we still get along. And so for me, you know, it's like, why do I, why do I think what I do when it comes to, you know, how I see homosexual sex, it's, it's very much, it's just the Bible. Yeah. It really is. Um, and I don't know how to, it's like, how do, how do you communicate that to people that like, no, like I, I really don't hate you at all. Right. I, I love you. Uh, and it's because of how I understand the image of God. It's because of how I understand how that, impacts our identity, our value, and our purpose as human beings, mm -hmm. and how I believe that, you know, God has certain things that he has set boundaries on because they will either help us to reflect his image well, or or will keep us from doing that. He He's God. He has the, the he's going to, he knows. <laughs> yeah. He knows where, where those boundaries are because it's his nature that we're trying to reflect. And, and so, for me, that's more what it's about us. It's like, I think that you're, you're best flourishing as a human being when you are most clearly reflecting the image and likeness of God. And I don't see how that works with what I see in the, in the, in the Bible on this issue. Mm. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, again, it, and that's, that's like the problem that you brought up It's how can we talk about it? And honestly, in over in almost every single conversation I've had about this, most gay people don't care that you that you're right. not gay affirming. They're just like, yeah, you're, mm. you're not gay affirming, and I don't believe that. You, that and I think that you're you, you believe in a fairy tale. As long as we're both okay with that, and not <laughs> and not like, I mean, because yeah, I mean, yeah, no. and like you know, and that's fine. You know, you can believe what you want to believe, and I'll believe what I want to believe, and as long as we're not like really hurting one another then we're okay with that. Most gay people don't care. You know, they could mm. care less. And, and So then you're really talking more about, you know, are you a person that's going to stand in the way of me exercising my rights as a, as a human being and as a citizen of this country? Right. Is, is probably maybe more where they have a problem, right? So exactly. If yeah. you're not going to stand in their way, then they don't have a problem. If you are, then they, yeah. Absolutely. And, and I totally understand that. I would, I would see things exactly the same way if I were them. Sure. And so, yeah, and then, okay, well, just to, to mention this in the in the movie, uh, yeah, her, Mary's mom and the pastor are going out to dinner. They kind of spend a lot of time together just as friends, but uh, it's very flirty. And they just mentioned yeah. that the pastor actually is divorced, and he, the son said, well, you know, why, why is that such a big deal? And he says, because divorce isn't part of God's plan. And... Yeah. I, if you guys are interested, uh, the second episode of Faith and Other Oddities deals with divorce. They actually talk about divorce. 
and how mm. it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world, especially in a marriage that is abusive. And, you know, yeah. if, if one person leaves, that it's not the end of the world. You know, it's it's God doesn't hate divorce. He hates the things that cause divorce. He hates mm-hmm. abuse. He hates, you know, dehumanization and stuff like that. And so a lot of pastors have kind of, you know, encouraged women to stay in abusive marriages because God doesn't, Ugh. God hates divorce. You know, you can't get divorced. That's a sin. When in reality, those are reasons to get divorced, you yeah. know, because they broke the covenant that they made it, with their wife. At the very least, it's, it's a reason to separate. And if you're going to be trying to um, actually come back together and reconcile is usually the kind of buzzword. Yeah. Like that involves a lot more than just like, okay, it's time to not be separate anymore. Right. right? Like what you're doing then is you're basically saying, you know, I think it's worth the risk of coming back together because what I've seen is the fruit of, of true change. Mm, right. Yeah. And you know, Honestly, that doesn't happen very often, especially in abusive relationships, because the abuse is happening for a reason and abusive people don't tend to deal with the underlying issues that fuel that for them. Right. So then it's, it's like, how do you ever fix that? You know, and, and in the honest truth answer for most of the time is that you can't, it's not something that the person that's being abused has any control over whatsoever. Right. And to try to push that on them as a pastor to say, well, you need to reconcile. Like, what do you even mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, how, how does the person that's being abused reconcile with a person that won't, won't, won't fix themselves, won't work on themselves? Like, yeah. that's, that's crazy. Because again, there's a, uh, yeah. yeah. No, but again, it's that notion that both of you need to be working on your marriage. And if one person refuses, then how yes. is the other person supposed to, you know, deal with that, live with that? How, how can they move forward? Well, and one of the things you said, you know, earlier was that it's, it's not that, you know, God hates divorce so much as he hates what causes divorce. And, you know, we, we do see, you know, talk of God hating divorce in scripture, but it, it's the, um, that it's, it's the, it's breaking up, um, this, this relationship, and I think one of the important things to recognize when we when we just to realize, you know, we're just going to talk about God hating divorce. And therefore, if you're divorced, you have no value. Like, read a little closer, <laughs> because yeah. there's a point in Scripture when God basically declares that he's divorcing Israel, which mm. makes God a divorcee. You know, <laughs> that's that's a little bit challenging to that worldview. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and not for anything God did mind you. <laughs> right. Yes. And, and, and he speaks very much of all the things that he hates that the, the, the infidelity that Israel has and in worshiping other gods and in, in chasing after other things and in trying to find their, their provision and then their security and their enjoyment in things other than God. And we see that all over the prophets where he's like, no, like you need to come back to me. This is not how this works. And, you know, so yes, he absolutely hates all those things and he tells them about it and, and yet they still wouldn't change. Mm. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a really big issue and, and, you know, if people want to, want to look into it further, I would definitely encourage, um, trying to understand what the, the first century context was 
when you have Paul and Jesus speaking to um, their different audiences Mm -hmm. and, you know, understanding how they saw marriage and what that actually looked like. Because when we try to read back our modern worldview and see the Bible, we don't really see it very clearly. We don't see it clearly on the on, on LGBTQ issues. We don't see it clearly on divorce. We don't see it clearly on pretty much anything. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, with divorce, um, David Instone Brewer has done quite a bit of work on, on that. And 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 whether you agree with kind of where he goes with it or not, I think it's really helpful to understand that context enough to be able to put what you read into the the world in which it was spoken, and not just bring it into your world directly and and say, well, I know what all of these words mean. Therefore, I know exactly what God wants. Hmm. (laughs) But we don't feel passionately about this at all. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm really happy that we're doing this movie because it brings up all these really great topics that we do need to deal with. And this movie that, you know, not written by Christians or, you know, former Christians are kind of, you know, they're, they're fair, you know, critiques. Yeah. And, but again, it it also brings me to the, you know, to that idea that progressive Christianity just doesn't have the, the, the theological or, you know, it doesn't have that backing. It does. It doesn't make much yeah. sense if you continue to move in that direction. It's, and again, it's not because Christianity is bad. It's mostly because of how it's taught, and that's what yes. drives people away. And you know, again, it's 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 this we it's this really difficult thing for people to who were born in the church to understand well and and some of it is is just i honestly don't know how well some pastors know the bible um and you know i don't want to make a blanket statement obviously you know we were talking about activists and and the church and the fact that the extremes tend to be that small group that's really pushing things and you know so i i do think you know most pastors are really doing their best to deal with so much so much bandwidth, right? You know, it's like, how do you, how do you care for an entire congregation worth of people and have your own life? Like, that's insane. Mm -hmm. I I don't know how people do it. And I think part of the problem with the church today is that we expect pastors to be able to do that on our own. And (laughs) it's like, no, we're all meant to do this in community. How can we, how can we better do this in community? Even when we're talking about the people that are shepherding us and how can we support them and help them and all that. Um, But you get, you know, people that, you know, Especially if you're you're looking at you know your kind of middle America, um, King James only kind of view where it's like well the Bible says says it therefore I believe it therefore whatever and <laughs> you can get into this thing of it's like okay but what does it actually say like what what does it really mean when we're talking about things in in the scriptures and you know you, you get talk about well. And I was like, well, the Bible says it's an abomination, so it's an abomination. And people go off on this word, and and all of a sudden what you have is Christians lining up saying that homosexual homosexual sin uh, sex is easy, is an abomination, and 
everyone else, you know, people in, in the culture saying, no, it's not. And, and so you have books like Matthew Vine's God and the Gay Christian, where he spends a chapter focusing on that specifically, that, mm -hmm. you know, like, what does this mean? What does it mean that eating shellfish is considered an abomination too in Leviticus? And yet we don't care about that, right? And, and so you have a lot of Christians that I think end up holding to things that are in the Bible, but they don't understand them well enough to really kind of hold them together as a cohesive viewpoint. Mm -hmm. and, and so your progressive Christianity is, is like short on, on having a biblical viewpoint, but so is conservative Christianity because it, the, the understanding of, of how the Bible looks at, at issues like this is so shallow and so focused on just what caught my attention. Oh, it's this word, you know, what caught my attention? Oh, it's, and we've got to do better. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, yeah. Um, so here we have uh, in the movie, uh, you know, there's, there was the, 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 I'm sorry, the high school was defaced, uh, spray painted, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, it was Faye, you know, the many more characters. She actually did it and then put the spray paint cans in the, uh, yeah. you know, in frame the, job, frame job. Mm -hmm. And, and so they were expelled. And uh, in fact, when they were searching their lockers, they actually found the sonogram of Mary's, you know, Mary's sonogram. So now everybody knows that. And so they're going to send her to the the camp called Mercy House for, and it, there was that uh, story a couple years ago of a, of a high school girl, very similar to this a high school girl who got pregnant and wasn't allowed to walk in graduation because she was pregnant, but she, you know, said, well, yeah, but I, I didn't have an abortion and I could have very easily have gotten an abortion, but I did what God would want for me. And that's to have the child. So I made a mistake. I screwed up. So shouldn't I be forgiven? Isn't that the, uh, the Christian thing to do? Wow. And I don't remember seeing this. What mixed messages? That's crazy. Yeah. And so that that was a really interesting kind of story that uh mm. that happened cuz it is i mean yeah i mean they're teenagers and again and that's the thing is that in a situation like that unless you find out who the father is he goes scot free cuz right. he doesn't show you know the, yeah. the girl, which is the kind of the difficulty in our society that women have to carry the child, women have to take care of the child, women have to mm -hmm. deal with the consequences of this. While guys, I remember when I was young, my biggest fear is having to tell my mom that I got a girl pregnant. That was the worst thing yeah. that could happen to me. Not even thinking that if I got a girl pregnant, she would have to not just tell her parents, but also have the carry the child, have the child take care of the child. Like it was, it's, it's right. You know, and yeah, it's. Well, and, and I think that gets into some of this when you see some of the more radical kind of feminism from that, you know, um, it's there's a, a a lot of really good things I think with pushing back against the fact that society is so built around around what men want, 
Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we can also get into a lot of problems when, you know, it's like we're going to build a society around what, what men want and then men are going to be immature. And then women have to, you know, have this burden of bearing the children and, and all of that. That can foster this this sense that like, oh, well, if I want to really be equal with men, I need to be able to get rid of this, you know, what is actually a beautiful God-given ability to to bear a child. To create life, yeah. Right? Like, how anti-human is it to mm. see that as a burden? And, and yet we, people do because we have these unhealthy relationships and this, um, you know, men running out of on responsibility and treating women as, as just objects for their own pleasure. And here we are, you now have, you know, women actually like looking down on the ability to, to have a child as if it's something that, you know, it's inferior or something like how crazy is that? Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's the most beautiful, amazing thing ever. And yet, because of the brokenness of the way that we treat people, it's become this huge burden and this thing where we just heap shame on people that don't fit in, in cultural norms. Like, yeah. oh, <laughs> I'm fired up. <laughs> but yeah, but again, and so this, because of that, because of all these things, this movie is now making the argument that God is okay with right. premarital sex, with, you know, homosexual relationships, with you know, again, divorce, but very, you know, a very oversimplistic idea of divorce, not really a biblical explanation for why divorce might be okay in certain situations. Right. Because, again, it sounds good comparatively to the anger, like I said said before, the vitriol of many conservative evangelicals. A much more yeah. loving God would not ha- would not create a hell. A much more loving God would not. And again, uh, I remember hearing the um, one of the daughters of uh, the pastor who started the Westboro Baptist Church. Oh yeah, like a few Oof. of his kids left the church, like like ran away from home because they couldn't, you know, they just couldn't be there. And the one of the daughters lost her faith in God. Because in the Bible, it says that God molded a, I I don't remember who it was, molded a person like clay uh, and, you know, molded them to kind of, to sin and to be hellbound or something to that effect. Uh, You know, she's probably taking that in terms of Romans 9 and looking at, at that with a couple of passages in Isaiah that talk about God molding people as clay. Yeah. Right. And so she thought, well, this obviously, because that's what she was taught, that God made people to go to hell. That's the only way to interpret that. And, you know, I think, and I wish I knew the Bible verse off the top of my head, but that's not what it's actually saying. It's saying that that, that's just, you know, it it is a completely different interpretation of what it actually means (laughs) in the context. But she was taught, this is what the Bible says. And there's right. no other way to look at it. And if she said, yes, that is what the Bible says, <laughs> therefore God cannot be real because he can't make, a, a loving God mm. cannot make people to go to hell. That's not, you know, because that is what it says. And it makes me think of other things like, and again, mm. not to bring up another topic, but for example, the young earth theory. Right. To teach children, and again, to believe that, that's one thing. That's fine. 
I have no problem with people believing that the youth is young, teaching kids that that's fine. To to tell children that that's what the Bible says and that there's no other right. way to look at it. If a child, if a kid, if a teenager, a college student believes this their whole life and then is taught, you know, about evolution, about the galaxy, the universe, the age of the earth, and they see the evidence that shows that maybe the earth is older, they're exactly. going to believe the Bible is lying to them because it, when it, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Well, and, and they point out that's the, just briefly in this movie, when there's in the background of one of the classrooms, you have this artwork that has uh, creationism and then Jesus is watching you. Right. Right. Um, and so like they kind of bring that up too. the the passage that you're talking about that she was referring to is, is Romans nine and um, particularly taking a, a Calvinistic interpretation of it uh, that believes in double predestination, that God makes some people specifically for heaven and others specifically for hell. Um, I think that's based on a misinterpretation of that passage because I think it's very clear from the, the context of Romans nine through 11. And in fact, even eight through 11 that what Paul is talking about is God hardening part of Israel temporarily against the Messiah to bring about the crucifixion of the Messiah so that salvation could be brought to the Gentiles. Mm. If you look at the themes of hardening and the themes of vessels and the themes of mercy, and, and there's so many connections between Romans 9 and 11. And Romans 11 is clearly talking about hardened Israel and clearly says, you know, have they been hardened or to the point where they they are have they stumbled to the point where they they will fall? No, they they can be grafted back in if they do not continue in their unbelief. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, again, you know, we're talking about taking an interpretation of Scripture that I think in this case is is maybe taking something that isn't necessarily in the original context and sets such a boundary that you can't like. How do you how do you then deal with that? Uh, and people deal with that by walking away from the faith like this young woman did. And, you know, like you're talking about with creationism, it's another thing. And I think what we're seeing here presented as Christianity in this movie is the same kind of more shallow cultural version of things where people aren't really digging in deep and, and really having a, a deep relationship with God, having a deep understanding of the faith. It's, it's very much more easy to walk away from that uh, than it is when you, you've gone deep. So then we get to the end scene where they're having basically their prom and yeah. they've been expelled. The main characters uh, have been expelled and the protagonists <clears throat> and they decide, well, we're just going to go anyway, you know, because yep. we deserve it. We, <laughs> we've done nothing wrong. And other than breaking the rules of the, you know, fair or unfairly broke the rules of the school. And of course they're not right. guilty of the, you know, the accusation that they, that, you know, that they're, that's heaved upon them. Mm -hmm. But again, we have a pastor who is struggling himself. The pat, the, the principal of the school, who's like a pastor who's struggling with having feelings for Mary's mom and can't let himself, you know, have the relationship because, you know, he's divorced and he doesn't think divorce is of God. Uh, you know, and so just the, yeah. this, uh, this mentality, this idea that there's no other way to be. Mm -hmm. It's, and that's the struggle 
that a lot of Christians yeah. have. Well, and I, you know, I talked a bit about some of the bad arguments for how do we see um, the question of whether homosexual sex is okay biblically. Um, talked about some of the poor ways of looking at that. It's probably worth at least giving a head nod to some of the the probably better arguments uh, I think that are there from mm -hmm. Scripture. Sure. Um, I think probably the biggest one is just looking at, you know, a the fact that the Bible isn't talking about orientation. That wasn't really a concept that was around when those things were written. It is very much specifically talking about things people do, mm. right? So, um, you know, we're not saying that it's, it's a sin to be attracted to someone of the same same sex. Um, this is about what you do with that, um, right. and it, which is you know very much similar to what do I do if I'm attracted to someone that's not my wife or someone, you know, before I was married that, you know, it's like, do I go beyond the boundaries that God has set or not. Uh, and one of the clearest places I think we understand the boundaries and why the Old Testament actually is relevant to us as Christians, uh, even though there are big parts of the Torah, the law that we don't uh, hold to anymore. You know, we, we eat pork, <laughs> we eat shellfish, we do these things, um, is in Acts 15. Uh, and, and basically what you have is you have Judaizers that are saying that Christians, Gentiles need to be circumcised and become Jews in order to become part of the church. Right. And Paul's pushing back against that. Peter has had experiences now where he's like, yeah. And James is kind of like, well, how do I, how do I explain this to people that are hardcore uh, in in the Jewish faith that you know that see things this way, and what he he does is he actually brings forth four things that people are not supposed to do, even as Gentiles, if they convert to Christianity. And those mm -hmm. four things are very specific. They are the things that you see in Leviticus 17 through 19 that are not supposed to be done either by the children of Israel or by the foreigner that lives in their midst. And so what he's doing is he's kind of making this analogy. The Gentiles are the foreigner living among Israel. So these are the things from Torah they need to do. And those four things are, um, you know, they're prohibited from idolatry. They're prohibited from eating uh, an animal that was strangled and therefore still has blood in it because the life is in the blood. Mm -hmm. They're prohibited from eating blood and they're prohibited from porneia, which is, is what we usually see um, translated as sexual immorality. Um, and so if you just read Acts 15 and you see that, you can ask this question of like, well, what does that term actually mean, right? And we can just define it however we want looking back on it mm -hmm. and then come up with whatever version of, of sexual ethic we want as a church, right? Um, but when you realize that what he's doing is he's pointing back to Leviticus because those four things all trace back there, then you have a list in Leviticus 18 of all of these things that that Israel was not supposed to do, and the the foreigner living among Israel was not supposed to do in their beds with other people, um, then all of a sudden the, the definition is pretty clear. And then we can actually look at that and bring that forward and say, well, what did Jesus mean when he used that word? Depending on the context, I think he, he sometimes uses that as a category word. James, what did he mean? Well, we see that in Acts 15 because he makes that connection. Paul, what did he mean? John, what did he mean? And it becomes pretty clear that they're all talking about this category of things that was defined within Judaism. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that was prohibited was homosexual sex. And so there's a very kind of direct connection to it that deals with that question of how the Old Testament relates to Christians. But most of us don't see it because we're never taught it. Right. And because, you know, our pastors may not even see it either. Yeah. And, 
that's like a lot of those things that like which is why the shellfish argument and the you know mixing fabrics right is so because they don't teach people young or old why those right. things are okay now and why other things are okay you know we why... just know that we don't have to live up to the whole law as christians and and that's about as specific as we get <laughs> right and we don't know why and so when we yeah. when we leave those things unanswered, then you start asking. Well, it also says that homosexuality isn't okay, and if you're allowed to eat shell, shellfish, then it's okay to be gay or exactly. to or to practice premarital sex or have homosexual relationships. And because we're not teaching the reasons behind it or why, and again, the hatred is a good argument against you know against why things are okay. You know, if you hate somebody, then that's not of God. And absolutely, and so it becomes much more difficult to teach these things because the alternative is hatred. Yeah. And so, who are, and again, love is always the best way. I I just showed my wife uh, Malcolm X. I'm, I loved mm. Malcolm X growing up, reading his article, reading his speeches, and watching his you know speeches. He's because he's impassioned and angry and talking about fighting back. But when mm -hmm. you talk about Malcolm X versus Martin Luther King, who used love and forgiveness yeah. and understanding and peace, who pushed legislation through? Who changed the yep. mind of Americans? The angry you know, person who said we should take up weapons and fight back against the police? Or the guy who said, who protested peacefully? who, mm -hmm. you know, who said we need to love our neighbors, who need to, who, what changes minds more? Anger and yeah. hatred or love and, and grace and mercy? Well, and, and where are you coming at it from? You know, I, like, I think if you're coming at it from the, the point of hate, you're missing the entire point. If you're <laughs> coming at it from the standpoint of, of love and saying, you know, like, I want to see you fully live out what it means to be human. And I believe that entails these things because of what I believe the Bible teaches about the image of God, because I believe that that gives us our identity, our value, and our purpose. Therefore, you know, I see you as infinitely valuable, and I want to see, like, that is an argument from love. That is the argument that I think we really should be making, but somehow it's not made very often, and what we mostly see is just, you know, people using words like they do in this movie to describe people that um, are of particular sexual orientation that are just terrible. It's like, mm -hmm. that's not about love. <laughs> it's not. And speaking of being not about love. <laughs> yeah. We have, here we have <laughs> Hillary Faye crashing her, her van into the statue of Jesus because she's so mad that uh, she's been found out that she was the one that actually um, vandalized the school and that all these people that she thinks are not worthy are are suddenly being vindicated. Right. And again, what's interesting, and this is like something they teach actors, is the she's the bad guy, obviously. But the bad yeah. guy has to believe that they're the good guy in their story. You yes. know, if you play an act, if you're an actor and you're playing the bad guy as just being evil for the sake of evil, then it's not going to be a very good character. The bad guy has mm -hmm. to be bad for because they believe they're doing what's right. And, right. you know, and I, the, the reason I bring that up is because 
you know, Hillary Fay, this, you know, the Manny Moore character, who's obviously the antagonist, believes right. that she's doing the right thing. She framed right. those people because they are bad. They're bad for the school. Yes. They're sinners. They're teach, you know, and she's doing what's right. She just wants to do what's right. And... And and that's what we see with progressive Christians that think, you know, that God, you know, loves everybody so much he must be gay affirming. And it's what people that are are, you know, more fundamentalist that, you know, almost hate people that are gay because like it, it, we're all kind of trying to aim at something because we think it's what's right. It's you know, how do we validate that? How do we understand, you know, what God wants? Um, and and where do we where do we arrive at that? And I, I think the the only place we can really arrive at if we're trying to come at this from the standpoint of Christian faith is to do that biblically and to place the biblical and the Bible in its original context. Mm -hmm. If we just try to read it today the way that we understand words or read the King James and it's like, well, they translated it with this word, so I know what it means. Like, again, it's it's too shallow an understanding and we end up trying so hard to be to do the right thing and, and we end up hurting people and we don't want to do that. Hmm. So mm. the movie's coming to an end and uh Mary is now going into labor. And again, she's, you know, she was about to be sent to Mercy House that uh, that camp and the mom yeah. kind of suggested that I don't want you to ruin your life over this. And, you know, <coughs> Mary being, you know, the daughter of a single mom, which, you know, what does that mean? Oh, like, man. We were talking about that before. So if this yeah. baby is ruining my life, did I ruin yours? Is You know, and of oh, course, man. the mom realized, no, you didn't. You actually gave me so much, you know. And mm. again, and at, at church we're supposed to help one another. I mean, just, you know, mm. just reading Leviticus about how much we need to help those in need, you know, leaving 10% mm. of your farm and, and, you know, your crops so that the poor have something to eat. If you drop, you know, helping the widows, mm. helping these people, helping the giving of yourself, you know, sacrificing, you know, mm -hmm. how, sh we must help, you know, single moms. I mean, we have to. <laughs> In a society, well, in a I society think, that abandons them, even the secular world abandons single moms. Yeah. Well, and you see the the really the I think the title of the movie "Saved," right? You mm -hmm. know, it brings up all of these things about Christian view of being saved and having Jesus in your heart and all these things that they're you know, especially this particular subculture of Christianity had put forth. And here we kind of see what I think the creators of the movie see as as being saved is you've actually been saved out from that narrow view and into this group of people that care for you. Yeah. Right. And so um, that's, I think, how what they really frame as being saved. And that's what what Mary here brings forth with her child, uh, which you know, it's hard to miss that <laughs> that parallel. Right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's like, how do we actually care for people in meaningful ways even, you know, with these things where we have disagreements and we see things that we believe are harmful behavior, um, how do you do that? And and I think this movie asks some really great questions in, in bringing that forth. We just want to be careful that we're, we're you know, aiming towards the right answers. Yeah. 
And like I mentioned before about how I used to be, I used to talk to many people in the progressive Christian community. They didn't leave <coughs> the church because their church was gay, wasn't gay affirming. That wasn't the mm-hmm. issue. It was the anger and the hatred of the gay community. It was the seeing yeah. them as all as a particular kind of, you know, group that was, you know, hated God. And mm-hmm. then when they heard the message of gay, of being gay affirming, that's when they kind of said, oh, really? Well, that makes a lot more sense. And totally. that's, you know, so it wasn't even the gay affirming thing. And, and I bring that up because a lot, when we talk about this issue with many conservative Christians, they say, well, we're not going to, you know, change our theology Our you know, we're not going to accept sinful behavior in order to make people happy. And that's not what's necessary. We, we mm. only need to be more loving in how we act. Yeah. You know, and how we teach this stuff. Well, and it, and it's, you know, back to that, that sense, you know, you see the kind of self, um, the, the pastors that will, you know, have this persecution complex where it's like, well, you know, people just don't like me because I'm out there preaching the gospel. Right. That only really works because we know that the gospel can be offensive to people, that, you know, the fact that people are sinful, the fact that, um, you know, we do need to give up things um, in order to pursue God. That's something we don't like. We're very independent people, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But the flip side of that is like, you know, a lot of times when you're bragging about the fact that you're being persecuted for preaching the gospel, what you're actually being persecuted, quote unquote, for is being a jerk when you do it, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. You're using it as an excuse. You like being a jerk to people. And so you hide behind the gospel and behind the Bible and behind your beliefs to do that. And that is something we, we have to have zero tolerance for in the church. Yeah. So there you go. That's saved. She has her baby and everyone's happy. I, I, that, that, that really interesting moment that I think hit home for a lot of young people when this movie first came out is a lot of the kids from Mercy House came to the prom and the, yeah. the, 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 the pastor principal of the school went to them and said, you can't be here. And right. they, they said, I know God loves me. Mm-hmm. And that not untrue. Right. I mean, that's not, I mean, of course he does. God does love any, everyone, anyone he, who's born on this planet from beginning to end. God loves them all. He doesn't hate yes. anybody. It's, but it's the actions. It's the, and again, the, the love, love this, what is the love the sinner, hate the sin. It's, mm-hmm. Again, I don't even think that that's that, you know, that simple. He doesn't even, you know, he doesn't like the sin, but it becomes a very overly simplified kind of word, you know, yeah. statement. It sounds punchy and it sounds good, but it's it's more complicated than that. Mm. But yeah, anyway, any any thoughts? Oh, I'm I'm just I'm just laughing because I I thought this would be a a bit of a palate cleanser after our last uh, (laughs) last movie. We were talking about this, too, that um, because it is a comedy. But, you know, the more we dig into the themes here and and really start taking it seriously, uh, the the messaging here, um, you know, 
I guess there there will be no question uh, whether I shy away from controversy. <laughs> sure, uh, but, but that's and, a, and same for you, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, I was really worried about talking about this topic since I started the podcast because mm-hmm. of how the whole gay affirming thing is such a controversial thing. It's it's such a controversial topic because one, like I said, the per, the people who the ex in the ex evangelical community, somebody tweeted. Why don't churches that aren't gay affirming just change their name to pro or just say what they really are, which is pro suicide? Mm. That's the hatred that exists on the uh, on the other side. You know, wow. those that hate the church believe that if you're not gay affirming, you're encouraging suicide. And, and, and it, yeah, that does exist. There, there's out some there. real critique there too. Because, exactly. You know, how many churches that aren't really talking about this well and that aren't really caring for people and aren't really putting out you know this is this is how you can be a fulfilled person um, even if you are choosing um, you know not to be in relationship because you you are convicted like we are that this is something you shouldn't do like how do how do you do that well and mm-hmm. and if you're not then you are you know driving people towards you know an outcome that that's just terrible. Yeah. And I mean, that happens with, with people that are trans too. Uh, and I, this is a whole different topic, but you know, I think one of the challenges we have with the church is sometimes because LGBTQ plus however many letters you want to add to the end of it now, um, has become this conglomerate of things that people need to care about in our society and, and, and is pushing for, um, you know, really for for more rights for people that identify in, in different areas where they've been excluded. Um, we can tend, sometimes tend to see all of those things as, as if they're the same thing. Um, and when we do that and, you know, we can start framing things like, well, you know, being trans is a sin. And I know it says so in the Bible somewhere. It's like, well, where does it say that? Right. Um, and, and how do you understand that? And if you're not understanding it clearly and you're teaching things that are, are incorrect or that are incomplete or you're you're being a jerk about it and you're not caring for people and including them then you are driving people towards suicide that mm-hmm. happens a lot yeah uh, and so we, we need to to be able to to engage on these issues i think in a way that is both loving and biblical if we're going to actually have any kind of positive impact on the world today right because again yeah uh... At the end of the day, it the reason why I'm not gay affirming, and this isn't, but I have to believe that God is a God of love. He is a yeah. God of grace and forgiveness and compassion. And I can still believe, be, I can still believe that that the you know act of homosexual sex is a sin, and believe that God is a God of love and encourage me encourages me to love other people those mm-hmm. two things aren't mutually exclusive they're t- they can work together they're just complicated it's complicated like it's simple. not simple <laughs> it's, right so we want to run to one one end of the other because of those are simpler options and I, I really think we have to walk that middle road if we want to be faithful to to what we see in the bible if we want to be um people that, that really express the care that we're supposed to as people that love God, that love our neighbor, that seek um, the good of those around us. Yeah. And yeah, we don't like it because it's complicated, but 
that's life. That life is complicated. Yeah. We're complicated. God made us complicated, and 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 most of that is beautiful. But sometimes <laughs> it's a little bit challenging to live in the skin that we're in. Right. So there you go. Saved 2004, Joshua Sherman. That was yeah. That I that was a good episode. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that already right now. <laughs> 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 Again, these are topics that we had to talk about. We had to do the, do this. That's why I started this podcast so that we can talk about it in a more pop culture kind of sense. Because this is what the world sees. This is what the world says, and we have to kind of engage with it. Yes. So there you go, Joshua Sherman, uh, tending our nets podcast. That's right. All right. Uh, Thanks for having me. No problem. And thank you all for uh, listening, for joining us for this movie. I swear, once this pandemic is over, we're all going to have to, you know, go to the movies together, you know, like we used to. <laughs> and and maybe just watch something that's only a comedy and not controversial. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there has to be one out there, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, thank you for joining us. And we will catch you guys next time. Bye. You've been listening to the Commentarians Podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to support our show, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash thecommentarians. Thank you for listening, and until next time, remember, movies are a reflection of our lives and of other people's lives, and we get to experience them together. Come back to the movies with us. We love sharing them with you.